0: Let us pray. Gracious and Eternal Father, we are your children, and we have gathered in your presence uh, this morning. We ask you to speak to us, open our eyes, open our understanding to your amazing grace and gracious love, so that we may know the greatness of your salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's a pleasure uh, to be with All Saints Anglican Church here in San Antonio. Uh, it is a joy. Uh, yesterday, uh, Canon Isaac Rebag, um, you know, planned a very wonderful event uh, for the clergy and their wives and the curates and postlands in this archdeaconry. Uh, we had a great time in the hall. Uh, so thank you, vestry, for paying for it. Uh, uh, was a lot of good food that you paid for so we're, we're very grateful. Uh, it's good to have wealthy people in church. Um, I always say to clergy who don't like wealthy people send them to my church I know how to handle them. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for paying for that wonderful time and thank you Canon uh, for a very warm reception to me and my wife. Uh, my wife is here with me today uh, Lillian she's somewhere uh, out there uh, so, so she is uh, with me. So. Uh, Thank you, clergy, and thank you, Vestry, and members of the congregation uh, for this wonderful time together. I'm going to be speaking to you on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, uh, as we continue the series that you're doing uh, in the book of Ephesians. So I'll read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now walks in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Amen. Uh, that is a very clear word from the Lord. The state of California, appears to be a very important state in the United States. You know, not because of its largest debt in the country, (laughs) being the movie center, the movie entertainment center of the United States, but because it has both the highest point as well as the lowest point geographically in the United States. In California, you have Mount Whitney. Uh, Mount Whitney is the highest mountain in the United States. It is 14,505 feet above sea level. Uh, At the early service, uh, there was somebody who had been there. So that is the highest point. Mount Whitney uh, is the highest point in the United States. And then 80 miles southeast of Mount Whitney is Death Valley. The Death Valley is the lowest point in the United States and it is 282 feet below sea level. Uh, On a good day, well, on a bad day, uh, it's uh, the record heat in the shade is 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, So uh, you don't wanna go there in the summer. (laughs) And so on a good day, you can travel from Mount Whitney to Death Valley. And the young lady said, you know, Bishop, we did it. We went from Mount Whitney and to Death Valley. Uh, so um, that is what Paul the Apostle is doing for us here in this passage. Paul is describing you and describing me. It is a spiritual biography of where you were before you knew Christ. That is the Death Valley. And where you are now as a Christian on Mount Whitney. Amen? Amen. So, this, this if, you, if you're a Christian, what we are looking at here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, is your spiritual biography. So, let's begin to look at the portrait of humanity without Christ in the Death Valley. And so, Paul gives us a full length description of that spiritual condition. He begins by telling us that the man, the woman, the child outside of Christ is dead. Verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's very clear. You know, you and I, before we knew Christ, we were spiritually dead. And if you're sitting here this morning and you have not known Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually dead. Uh, This is not a figure of speech. Uh, This is a reality. Um, You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, remember God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree in this garden, but the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat from it. For the day you eat from this tree, you shall surely die. That's what God said. And so one day the serpent, uh, the devil, you know, came around in the evening, and was having a little chat with Eve, just a nice, you know, Facebook chat. wasn't serious. Uh, maybe there was Twitter; uh, they were twittering, whatever they were using. And the devil tweeted to Eve and said, "Has God said you should not eat of any tree or of or every tree in this garden?" Uh, Eve said. No, he said, we can eat of any tree, but we must not eat or touch from the tree in the middle of the garden. For the day we eat it, we will die. And the devil says, No, you shall not surely die. You know, the same thing that the devil is saying to sinners today, that you can go and sin against God and nothing is going to happen to you. Exactly the same play, playbook. I mean, he's not changed. So he said to to, to Eve, you can sin all you want, you can disobey God, and you're going to be fine. In fact, the reason why God said you should not eat from this tree is that he knows, God knows, that if you eat from this tree, you're going to get smart, you're going to get prettier, you're going to get happier, and you're going to stay connected with the rest of the world. And Eve said, wow, I didn't know that God was that mean. And she took of the fruit and ate it, and gave it to Adam. Adam ate it, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they saw they were naked, and that was the beginning of sin in the human race. Now, God said the day you eat it, you will die. Did they die that day? Tricky question, isn't it? They died spiritually, but they did not die physically. And so the Bible is saying here that when that baby is born in your family, that baby is physically alive, but that baby is spiritually dead. It says we are dead in our sins and trespasses. You know, and this, the word for trespasses and sin cover the uh, sin of commission and the sin of what? Omission. Trespass is when you get into a place you're not supposed to go into. When God says to you, do not do this, and you do it, you've committed what? A trespass. Uh, when we are leaving Vancouver, Canada, coming to the United States, uh, the Bishop of our diocese, uh, Bishop Kershaw, said, "You know, when you come into Texas, make sure you do not trespass into people's property uh, <laughs> because they got a shotgun. <laughs> uh, you know? so don't don't wander into somebody's property, don't cross the boundaries. Uh, this is the state of Texas. You can do that in Canada, but not in the United States, especially Texas." And so we all know what trespass means. When your neighbor begins to come into your boundaries, into your compound. So the Bible says we are dead in our crossing boundaries because of our crossing boundaries, and we are dead in sin because of being in Adam. The day that Adam and Eve sinned, all of you were in the loins, all of us were in the loins of Adam and Eve, and we sinned with him on that day. And then we continue to sin today. And the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. The soul that sinners shall die. Adam sinned. And we wear in Adam. When Adam sinned, we sinned with him. And we die spiritually. And that is why when you are born, that little baby is wonderful. They give that baby two months and they begin to sin. They didn't learn it from you. It's inside them. Am I correct? I mean, did you teach your babies how to sin? No. You see, that is why the second word your babies learn after mama and papa is what? No. Because <laughs> you keep trying to, to control. Um, it's called same management. You know, you're trying to practice same management uh, with your babies, and they usually overcome you. <laughs> yeah, they win at the end of the day. Because sin is in their nature. You know, the spiritual death is already a work in their lives even before they were born physically. And that's why the moment they are born, they begin to sin, and mom says, no, 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 and the baby will say, yeah, no, 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 and then they sin and get into college with their sin. (laughs) And then it gets worse. So my brothers and sisters, before you knew Christ, you are spiritually dead, and dead people can't do anything spiritually worth it. They've got nothing to give to God. Uh, in seminary, uh, in the pastoral care studies uh, in Canada, a uh, pastoral care professor took all of us to a mortuary. Uh, as a priest, and John is going through this training now, you know, uh, and in the future, as a priest, you have to be comfortable around dead people. And so we're taken to mortuaries, and dead people do not respond you know, their pet peeves disappear. You know, you know the people who complain about your bad breath, when they die they won't smell it. Alright, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. You know, so so dead people are alienated from God, they are unable to understand They are unable to appreciate the things of God. They have no appetite for God except for selfish reasons. They are unable to respond to true spiritual stimuli. And that is why, when people who do not know God, who are dead in sin, hear the Word of God, they disagree with the Word of God. They don't understand it. They disagree with it. They are unhappy with it. They are mad when they hear the Word of God because what? They are spiritually dead. You know, man is so spiritually dead that he's ignorant of God and ignorant of who he really is. You know, people say, you know, intelligent people, my daughter went to Johns Hopkins, and and you read the literature coming out of some of those places, you know, some of them say that you descended, that we descended from what? Monkeys. Or whatever variation of monkeys. But God said, you are created in my image. You have dignity. I love you. I created you in my image. But man in his spiritual deadness, man in his ignorance says, no, I was not created as an image of God. I have no dignity. My great-great-grandfather was a monkey. That's what spiritual death does to people. You demote yourself. God placed you on a high pedestal. You say, no, I'm too smart to be up there. I belong to monkeys. Spiritual death at work. And so Paul says, you're spiritually dead, you know, there is no life, there is no power, there is no sight, and there is no hearing, you cannot see God, you have no power to obey God, you have no life, and because you're spiritually dead, in fact, life without God is a living death, all because of sins and trespasses and our sinning in Adam and Eve. Secondly, not only are we dead we also slaves, verses 2 and 3. It says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now walks in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature children of wrath. So Paul says not only are, are we dead, we also lived in slavery. We conducted our lives willingly as slaves of the world, of the devil, and of the flesh. It's all in there. You know, and Paul, says it's not just the Gentiles in Asia Minor that he's writing to. He says, we also, Jews, we were slaves to the, to, to the world, you know, the secularism, uh, the materialism, the entertainment, mania, uh, and all the evil social values in every society. It says we walked according to those ways just like the Gentiles. We, we, you know, Everybody has an addictive behavior. Are you with me? Yeah, you got an addictive behavior to what? To sin. You know, that is why, um, and that's why I say we are slaves. We're actually slaves to sin. You know, every January 1, you make your decisions. You know, this year, I'm going to run 50 miles. And you do it for a couple of months, and you're back to your sinful ways. See, because we're in slavery, sin is in us. So it says, you know, we follow the ways of the world, the secularism, the materialism, the unbelief, and all kinds of social levels, the sense of the flesh, the sense of the mind, and of course, we are subject to the prince or the power of the air, which is the devil himself. Thirdly, Paul says, we are sons of disobedience. Uh, we disobey God. You know, you are a son of disobedience and your children are sons of disobedience and their children will also be sons of disobedience. We, we, we are born and we sin and we disobey God. This is true. Is that that not true? It is true. And then finally Paul says, not only are we dead to sin and slaves to following the world, the flesh and the devil, and sons of disobedience, he says in verse 3b that we are under the wrath of God. See, that is where spiritual death and slavery to sin and the world and the devil always leads you. Disobedience will always lead you to the wrath of God. Are you with me? There is no way out, uh, no exit. If you walk down that aisle of sin and disobedience and spiritual death and ignoring God, you are going to end up under the wrath of God. In fact, we are already, it says by nature, we are under the wrath of God. Uh, everybody. And what is the wrath of God? The eternal wrath of God is spending eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone. It's in the Bible the Baptists did not invent it. <laughs> you know, people say that's a Baptist theology. No, it's not a Baptist theology. Uh, it's a Jesus theology. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you this. In John chapter 3, verse 36, the Bible says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son of God will not see life. For God's wrath remains in him. Whoever does not believe in Christ who continues to live in sin and do whatever he he wants, the Bible says the wrath of God, the anger of God, the just anger of God, the just judgment of God remains with him. And so Paul is saying, as the Bible says, the soul that sinneth shall die. He is under the wrath of God. The man without Christ is dead and he's now in the death valley. So I've been describing the death valley of the man and woman and the child and the baby outside of Christ. And you know, it's, it's offensive to modern man and modern women to say that your baby is a sinner and is slated for hell. But that's what the Bible is saying. We are dead in our sins and we are by nature, by nature, Under the wrath of God. You don't need to earn the wrath of God, you already have it around you. Are you with me? I know this is very difficult. Uh, Somebody at the early service says, Bishop, you know that's really hard. I said, I know. (laughs) If it's hard for you to hear it, it's hard for me to preach it. But our calling as preachers is to be faithful to the word of the living God. I didn't write the Bible so don't hold me to it. Uh, but I'm under obligation to teach you the word of God. So, uh, so uh, we are dead, and we are slaves. We are sons of disobedience, and we are under the wrath of the living God. And so what did God do about our condition? And here is the good news. You know, it says, but God, you see, God, seeing our condition, our situation, didn't stay up in heaven and complain about how rotten we are. And thank God he didn't say to the Anglican church from a committee that would decide what we're going to do with these idiots. (laughs) Uh, You don't want church committees deciding your fate. (laughs) But God did not leave us in our situation. He did not stay in heaven and complain about us. God reached out to us. Amen? that is good news it is all of god salvation from beginning to end is the initiative of god not of us he started it all and so what did god do you look at verse 5 it says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us verse 5 even when we are dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ well, we are dead and god made us what Alive together with Christ. You cannot have spiritual life outside of Christ. You have spiritual life in Christ. Amen? And so God made us alive with Christ, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See what God has done? In Christ, as a result of the death and resurrection of Christ, God has given those who believe eternal life. He's made you alive. That is why you can sit here and listen to the Word of God and actually understand it, even with my accent. I mean, you, you, know, you're, you, just, you know, when you're spiritually alive, you begin to respond to God, you begin to see spiritually, you begin to hear spiritually, you begin to appreciate the word of God, even when it's difficult to hear it. Because spiritual life has come, you are, you are now alive. You know, God has given you life, God has saved you from his wrath, and the Bible says here, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you with him, and when he ascended into heaven... You ascended with him, and when he sat at the right hand of the Father, you sat at the right hand of the Father with him. That's what the Bible says. And we call it the doctrine of union with Christ. In the same way that you are in union with Adam, and when Adam sinned, you sinned with him and came under the wrath of God. Now that you believe in Christ, you are in union with Christ. When Christ died, you died with him. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised with him. And when he was seated at the right hand of the Father, you are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Amen. That is the Mount Whitney of the spiritual life. You've come up to the... You couldn't go any higher than sitting at the right hand of the Father. There's nowhere else to go. It's the place of power. It is the place of grace. It's the place of authority. It's the place of bliss. It's the place of eternal joy because you are in Christ. The resurrection, the life, and everything seated is all in Christ. He said that is why the Bible says there is no salvation in any other name except the name of who? Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one... No one comes to the Father except through who? Except through me. Once again, it is offensive to those who are spiritually dead. You know, they say to you, why should they be Jesus only? What about the poor, innocent pagans who haven't heard? Well, first of all, there are no innocent pagans. There are innocent pagans don't exist. Are you with me? I mean, there are no innocent pagans. All of us are dead in sin and deserve the judgment of God. And the only way out there is through Jesus Christ alone. Amen? 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 Amen. Okay. Uh, don't get mad. Just listen. Man. <laughs> See, because that, that is the test of spiritual life. Can you hear the word of God even when it's difficult? And if you can hear it and accept when it's difficult, it is a sign of spiritual life and humility. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, so this is what God has done for us. He has saved us from slavery to his wrath, from slavery to sin. He has given us life. He has raised us up. And we are seated with Christ in the heavenly place. You see, you are seated in two places this morning. You are physically here, but spiritually you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And the next time your neighbor asks you, who do you think you are? You tell them, I know who I am. I have been saved. You know, I have been seated with Christ. And I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am here. I'm also in heaven. And they run away from you. (laughs) They think you are crazy, you know. How can you be in San Antonio and also be seated at the right hand of the Father? It is because you are in who? In Christ. You are where Christ is. And my brothers and sisters, don't be afraid of death. Uh, do not be afraid of death uh, because God has a great place for you. Amen? Amen. You, you, Stop staying in the U.S. and paying taxes. Okay, I'm a Republican, don't worry, sir. So, so what, this is what God has done for you through Christ. As a result of his death and resurrection, there is life for you. There is a resurrection for you and you are seated already with him in the heavenly places. It is great news. Despite all the things we have done to God, our rebellion, our wickedness, our resentment of him, our refusal to follow him, God has taken the initiative to reach out to you and to say to you, I love you. I want you to be part of my kingdom. It is good news. And here is what I've done. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary and pay the penalty for your sin and make satisfaction to the justice of God so that you, by believing in him, may have eternal life and come to life and be raised with him and be seated with him and be set apart for him by the Holy Ghost. It is good news. And so why did God do all of this? Uh, uh, Verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And then in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. So why did God do, it, do this? You know, was, just God, was God taking an ego trap? No. The Bible says the reason why God did this in verse 4 is because of his great love for you. Amen? Amen. Not just his love, his great love for you. And because he is rich in mercy. Not just mercy, he is rich in mercy. And mercy is not receiving what you deserve. That's the definition of mercy. When God is being merciful to you, when you are being merciful to somebody, what it means is you're not giving them what they deserve. You know, when they curse you and they cut you off on the road, instead of giving them the finger or saying ugly things, you say, God bless you. I hope you get to where you're going on time. <laughs> instead of yelling and banging on, you know, on your car. So, but grace, uh, so God did what he did out of his great love for us, his rich in mercy, but also out of his kindness and of his grace. And what is grace? Grace is giving you what you do not deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve, but grace is God taking it a step higher and giving you what you do not deserve. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, Those of you who are parents, you have your children, they disobey you, and you're supposed to spank them, but you do not spank them. That's what? Mercy. But then when you take it one step further with grace, you go to the store and buy them some cookies. That's grace. (laughs) See, God not only spared us from his judgment, he exalted us and made us his sons and daughters and brought us to sit in the right hand of power. See, when you and I are believers who go higher than the angels, who have been faithful for centuries, so God did this out of his great love for you, so do not ever believe the lie of the devil that God doesn't love you. God loves you with great love, and he is rich in mercy and full of grace and kindness towards you. And so you are not saved because of your faith, because you don't have faith. Dead people do not have faith, and they cannot have faith. And God did not save you because of your good works, because you didn't have any. You did some nice things, but, uh, you know, God is a God of perfection. The only good works that's acceptable to God for salvation is perfect work. Perfect good works. Because God is a perfect God, a God of perfect holiness, perfect judgment. And if you're not perfect in your good works, your good works are not acceptable. And so you, you can't make it. That's why the Bible says, by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is all of God. And he did it because of his love for you and for me. So what is God's purpose in doing all of this? What is God trying to do for you and for me? Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is what you and I have experienced now, being made alive, being raised, and being seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and being saved from the wrath of God, is just the beginning. It is just the beginning of the exceeding riches of God's grace. You know, in the coming ages, you know, in the new earth and the new heavens, God has a big thing for you. I mean, we've only scratched the surface. You know, and that is why I want to encourage you, hang on to Jesus. It's not a mistake. Uh, Even though some of your prayers are not being answered now, uh, you know, some people decide to walk away from God because their prayers are not answered. I want to plead with you, do not walk away from God because God has something better for you in store. Amen? So it's called exceeding riches of his grace that he's going to show to you. And finally... He wants us to do good works. God wants us to do what? Good works. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see what's going on? At the beginning of the passage, he says we are dead in sins, and we are walking in sins and trespasses. And doing the things that the world and the devil and the flesh wanted us to do. But now that we are saved, now that we are raised with Him, now that we are seated with Him, God wants us to walk in a different way. He now wants us to walk in good works because we are His workmanship. God is at work, you're God's art at work. Uh, God is walking in you. Uh, The rest of the chapter talks about temple. You know, God is building us and working in us and helping us and encouraging us to do good works. So don't walk out from here and say you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and therefore I can do whatever I want. No. You can't do whatever you want because good works is part of your justification. You are not justified. You are not saved because of your good works, but your good works is God's plan in your justification Uh, To live a life of obedience uh, to him. And So how should you and I respond uh, to the mercy of God? We respond with gratitude and we praise to God. Amen? Amen. God has done for you what you don't deserve and we should give thanks to him and praise to him. Secondly, if you are not in Christ, if you have not repented of your sin and believed in Christ, If you're still in the Death Valley, and you know when you're there, you repent and believe in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, he'll forgive you all your sins. It doesn't matter what you've done. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will receive you. And even as a believer, when you sin against God, please do not run away from God. Don't let your sin drive you away from God because Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and paid the penalty for your sin past, present, and future. Are you with me? You know, when Jesus died, were you there? No, you weren't there. So your sins were still in the future. (laughs) And Jesus paid the penalty for those sins. So please, please, the good news belongs to you uh, and uh, believe it and it shall be well with you. So those of you who have been confirmed today, you've made a promise to follow Jesus, to believe him and follow him all the days of your life and it is a good decision that you have made. Amen. Amen. And part of the good works you're going to do is to come to youth group meetings. If you're the youth, come to youth group meetings. Uh, Give your tithe. Uh, After your confirmation, start giving your tithe and your offering to God uh, so that uh, when the bishop comes, uh, he can have another party. (laughs) And God God bless you as you follow him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust up corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust up corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal.